welcome to Tales from the Rabbit Hole. I'm your host, Mick West. This is the very first episode of Tales from the Rabbit Hole, and so I want to give a little overview of what the show is going to be about. Tales from the Rabbit Hole is a podcast of conspiracy culture conversations. Each week I'm going to interview someone whose life has been affected by the conspiracy culture rabbit hole. This is going to include a variety of people. We're going to have people who are believers in conspiracy theories. We're going to have people who used to be believers in conspiracy theories. And we're going to have a variety of other people whose lives have been affected by conspiracy theories. The family members and loved ones of conspiracy theorists. Uh, scientists who have been harassed because of false claims. People like debunkers and investigators and writers who talk about and investigate the phenomena of conspiracy theories. Tales from the Rabbit Hole grew from my book, Escaping the Rabbit Hole, which in turn grew from my website, metabunk.org, which is a forum for investigating, debunking, and discussing conspiracy theories. I've run the website for, oh, I don't know, about 10 years now. I used to run another website called Contrail Science, which was a site devoted to looking into the chemtrails conspiracy theory, which is the belief that uh, the government is spraying poisons or some kind of environment-altering substance out of the back of planes. And that grew into Metabunk. Uh, Metabunk led to a bunch of podcast appearances, which I found very, very fun to do. And that, in turn, led to the book, Escaping the Rabbit Hole, which is kind of a distillation of everything I learned on Metabunk. It's really, how do people get into the rabbit hole? How do they get out of the rabbit hole? And how can we help them? While I was writing that book, I interviewed a lot of people who uh, were former conspiracy theorists. And I talked to people who are current conspiracy theorists all the time. And I also talked to uh, debunkers and other people uh, in the in the conspiracy culture. I think a problem that we have with conspiracy theories is a lack of communication between the different people. I think debunkers don't really understand a lot of the motivation of conspiracy theorists. And I think conspiracy theorists don't understand the motivation of debunkers. So part of the goal of this podcast is to kind of bridge that gap and let each side listen to the other in a kind of non-confrontational way and just explain where you're coming from. Conspiracy theorists, what do you believe in? Debunkers, why do you debunk? Let's just uh, have a chat and see what happens. My first episode right now is with John, an ex-conspiracy theorist. The second episode is going to be with Mike Rothschild, who is an investigator of the QAnon conspiracy theory. And the third and fourth episodes are going to be someone who's a member of the 9-11 Truth community from Norway. So without further ado, let's go on with the first episode, John, the ex-conspiracy theorist. This is Tales from the Rabbit Hole. So my guest today is John. John runs the uh, blog, The Ex-Conspiracy Theorist. He also runs the Facebook uh, page of the same name, and he's on uh, YouTube, and I assume you're on Twitter too? Uh, no Twitter account no, yet. No Twitter, okay. But you've got a very uh, interesting online presence with the ex-conspiracy theorist. Can you tell me a bit about uh, how you became a conspiracy theorist in the first place? Well, first started when I, I got interested in politics and started listening to talk radio, mainly conservative talk radio, which uh, led me to Glenn Beck. We all know his mm-hmm. background. With my political bias, I tend to believe all 
anti-Democrat, anti-liberal conspiracy theories, communists running the government, all John Birch Society um, inspired messaging he was pushing. So as I listened to Glenn Beck, that that led me to other anti-Obama outlets, which led me to Alex Jones, first with the Obama Deception movie. And uh, that's when I started getting more into Alex Jones. Right, that's very interesting because uh, in the research I did in my book, a lot of people got into conspiracy theories via videos. And it's interesting to hear that you started out uh, with the, the Glenn Beck thing. Can you remember the, some of the specific conspiracy theory type things that he was uh, pushing back then? You mentioned the, uh, well, the Obama deception was Alex Jones. So what was, what was Glenn Beck's big thing that you uh, hooked onto at first? Uh, basically, it was when he um, introduced all the czars, and mm. he um, had gave a background in each individual, and the, this all sc- scared the hell out of me, including um, the science czar. He claimed wanted to put wanted to put chemicals in the water to sterilize everyone. And uh, Glenn Beck now has kind of done a bit of a little bit of a, a sea change. I think. Have you oh, been yeah. following what he's been doing recently? Uh, just just recently. Uh, no, but I did. I did notice over the over the years, within the last two years, he changed his format with pushing conspiracy theories and also coming out openly of how he regrets how he div- divided America. Right, it's very interesting. It's almost like uh, he became an ex-conspiracy theorist himself. Yeah. You see that with uh, a lot of people, even in the public sphere, who start out as very hardcore conspiracy theorists. Like Abby Martin comes to mind, and uh, Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan used to be more of a believer in strange things, but you know, as people get older, they tend to uh, grow out of them. Uh, at least yeah, some, you, some of them do. <laughs> yeah, you get to understand more how the world works if you're if you're just like getting interested in politics or geopolitical politics. Yeah, and that's there's a very interesting thing in your little bio uh, about how you learnt about the term the New World Order. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, the New World Order is a term coined by um, George um, H.W. Bush, but it's mm. it's been around for uh, hundreds hundreds of years. But in the context of George H.W. Bush, he, gave, he used it multiple times to mark the beginning of the end of the Cold War. And um, But me coming first, getting involved in politics, I didn't know this. And but then when I heard um, Alex Jones talking about the New World Order, that was my understanding of it. But then first when I got into college, I took foreign policy classes. I got a more more understanding of what the uh, New World Order was. But first when my pr- professor mentioned the New World Order, I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to get confirmation of my beliefs. But in the end, I found out what it really was. And what, what is it? Just, it's just a term coined by um, – Bush to mark the end of the Cold War right. and how so, we're going to attack, tackle the rest of the world. So it's just what the world is like now as opposed to what it was before because the Soviet Union has fallen, essentially. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting if you look at the the history of that term. I, there's a, a website called the American Presidency Project, which has the text of everything oh, yeah, that every president has ever, ever said. And you can search for it for a particular uh, term and then you can see... You know, how many times each president uh, said it. And it does get mentioned from time to time, but it, people, I think, are not really referring to a specific thing a lot of the time. It's just, you know, here is 
this is what's new in the world. Like if after the First World War, there was a new world order. After the Second World War, there was a new world order. After the fall of the Soviet Union, there was a new world order. And now there's probably going to be another new world order because there's going to be some other big change in the world. You know, uh, England has left, Britain has left Europe. Uh, <laughs> that creates a new world order in Europe. So, yeah, it's, it's very interesting, I think, that these, these terms uh, take on a life of their own. And it's really just people are uh, missing out information. Yeah, the absence of information. Yeah. Yeah, like uh, one thing I try to do when debunking is <laughs> not so much try to correct things, but figure out what people are missing and then just try to supply them with information. Would you say that's similar to what, what you're doing with uh, um, work? My, tac- my tactic mostly um, with what I try to do when I try to confront conspiracy theorists, try to ask them questions. Like if they say, okay, the buildings, the World Trade Center came down on controlled demolition. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, could, you could ask them, okay, how did they do it? Was it done by wires or wireless detonation? Or how many bombs are we talking about? So as they ponder, they'll start to ask questions themselves. Yeah, yes, it's interesting. A lot of people, I think, don't uh, look into it beyond the initial uh, information that's given to them in in videos. Uh, You mentioned you watched the video Zeitgeist, and this is a a movie that kind of ties in 9-11 with uh, religion and uh, and the money supply. It's kind of a three-part overarching conspiracy. And you were being very interested in Mormonism at that time. Can you tell us a bit about how that all tied together with the zeitgeist and your uh, interest in Mormonism? Well, when I first got interested in Mormonism, I thought this would be the next step to my religious path, because that's what the Book of Mormon is. It's a mm-hmm. sequel to the Bible, or you could you could call it Christian fan fiction. But <laughs> and That's a good uh, term. <laughs> As I got interested in it, heard of the South Park episode on Mormonism, and then I thought to myself, there's no way it could be that laughably fake when, when it comes to specific claims. And this was the first time in my life something I started to sincerely believe could be wrong. Hmm. And w- once that starts, you start to ask questions of other things. You might believe that you're basing it on very narrow sources. So you would say this South Park uh, essentially a South Park humorous debunking video of Mormonism started you on your journey into uh, skepticism. Yes, I started asking questions of all these um, outlandish claims. Yeah, that's Look- very, it's interesting because you know South Park obviously isn't something people would think of, but that episode uh, is a fairly factual portrayal of the claims of Mormonism. Like uh, Joseph Smith looked into his hat to uh, get some of the translations of the tablets, I believe. Uh, and these are things that are actually in, in Mormon history, and they were just betraying them. And it does seem somewhat ridiculous. I think the Mormons themselves know that it seems a bit ridiculous, and uh, a lot of them actually like that South Park episode. And the Book of Mormon, things like that, things that seem like they're mocking Mormonism, in some ways are actually very real uh, depictions of it. But anyway, so Zeitgeist, uh, you what, what did you get out of Zeitgeist? Zeitgeist... If anybody watches it, it really does question the whole perspective that we live in because it starts with religion, then it starts with, of course, nine eleven attacks, and it starts with the banking system. But that really pushes you in the corner because it's making all these claims. But then when you start to look at debunkings and um, academic examination of 
some of the claims it makes about religion, which are not necessarily accurate, but they, once you get, once you get into those claims, you start to realize this, it's as if this person came up with a conclusion and made up facts. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how familiar you are with the zeitgeist with it. Yeah, I've, um, I've seen it with its, with its fabricated quotes from certain figures. Uh, yeah, I don't know the specifics, but I remember they, they did something about the son of God being the son and therefore it's the Egyptian god Ra, and they made these very spurious connections, uh, but perhaps they sounded good on the, you know, on the video, but didn't actually yes. pan out. Some of them are interesting, like I'm not disputing some of the religious claims it makes, but it it start, it start goes to an, a conclusion that is not really backed up, saying that it, Christianity was a deliberate hoax by people who knew mm. exactly what they were doing, so I think that's a bit of a... Bit of a stretch, yes. <laughs> I would think so. And that's true for, I think, a lot of these uh, uber conspiracies where it's an overarching conspiracy. It uh, it seems a bit of a stretch that there's just a small group of people uh, pulling the strings of everything in the world when you know just how complicated the world is. So uh, after you started questioning things uh, after watching South Park and uh, the episode on Mormonism, you got more interested in in looking at the debunking side of things. Did that go straight into that, or was there like some other thing that triggered it along with the South Park thing? Uh, it was my religious experience with Mormonism and mm. also with Zeitgeist, because right. when I found out that a, a claim I sincerely believe from Zeitgeist could be wrong, just like I did with Mormonism, that just that, that combination made me uh, look at other debunkings. Right, but you wouldn't obviously have uh, immediately like flipped to be- believing you know, everything in the mainstream. Uh, I'd imagine it would have taken, oh, no, it, taken a while it, it would, to, yeah. and I'm sure you don't still believe everything in the mainstream media. Obviously, like nobody does. Uh, but so, what was like the next step? What types of things were you looking into after that? After that, like I started to believe less outlandish stuff, but still stuck to other conspiracies that were. I thought less outlandish just because my political bias back then, because like it went from me believing 9-11 was an inside job to saying, okay, Alex Jones is wrong about 9-11, mm-hmm. but he's right about the underwear bomber being staged. Yeah, I could see uh, uh, you kind of stepping down the intensity of the, the, the implausibility of, uh, of the beliefs. Um, what do you think of Alex Jones being uh, removed from YouTube? I honestly think it's a disappointment because that was the Alex Jones archive where anybody right. can look at his past. And some of the interviews were interesting. The um, one interview I kind of liked for nostalgia reasons was his interview with um, the late Alan Combs mm. when he got on the show. Also, his interview with Donald Trump's gone now. So I tried searching for it online. I can't really find it anywhere else. Yeah, that's interesting, and uh, I'm not sure if it's going to be uh, uh, a net good because there's going to be a lot of pushback from people thinking it validates the the government's censoring things. Like it's uh, it basically says his predictions came true that the government will try to shut him down, which I think is going to rile up his base to a degree. But of course, it's also going to limit his audience, so less people will see him. But maybe you'll see an intensification of a a smaller number of people. You mentioned a few times uh, chasing ghosts. What do you mean by uh, chasing ghosts? We do better when we try to focus on things that are real mm. rather than chasing things that are imaginary, right? And and make believe. Like I, you've mentioned that a couple of times. I think yeah. you, when you're on the Joe Rogan show, said do better than tackling the world's problems. 
yeah, yeah, I think conspiracy theories that are false are obviously going to be a distraction from uh, uh, real problems and real actual conspiracies. So yeah, I would agree with you there. Chasing ghosts is a is a bad thing. Uh, so I see you've uh, been reading Behold a Pale Horse, which is a book by Will- William Cooper, who was a very old school conspiracy theorist uh, who I think died in the 90s or the early 2000s, yes. 90s. What uh, what have you learned from looking at uh, uh, Behold a Pale Horse? Uh, it's interesting. I think if Cooper were alive today, he'd be just as influential because he was a rival of Alex Jones in the 1990s. He had a pretty insightful um, uh, an- analysis of Alex Jones and his Y2K scare. And uh, I don't know if you've seen that. It's pretty um, funny. I reviewed the whole book. Like the whole thing, you think it's a joke when it talks about the alien claims saying that there were interplanetary treaties with aliens. We've been in communication. We have moon bases. And uh, spoiler spoiler to he, uh, he backtracked on that, all those alien claims completely. Hmm. He went from saying there's all this stuff to saying that there's no evidence of aliens ever existing. Really? It's yeah. very, very interesting that even people who are very deep down the rabbit hole can get out of various sub-rabbit holes, at least. I think it's kind of good to to be aware of. You know, Lots of people get out of the rabbit hole. It's not an impossible thing. It just seems like they're really stuck down there. Uh, you you were big into conspiracy theories for a, for a couple of years, right? It was uh, two years, yeah. roughly. And uh, during that time, did your friends and family try to talk you out of it? Uh, some of them actually believe some of the stuff, mainly okay. the an- anti-Obama sentiment. But there were, um, like my dad, he tried to talk me out of um, listening to Alex Jones. It didn't affect the relationship-wise, but he, but um, it was like a you have your opinions, I have my opinions. Right. Even even if they're effing crazy. Did you think it's his trying to talk you out helped at all in the long run? Uh, yes, because you ha- you have someone to talk to saying, like, yeah, probably my mm-hmm. family was the only only one that was telling me that maybe this isn't a someone you should listen to. So, would you say, uh, in a way, like your family situation and those around you, kind of eased your transition into the rabbit hole because they were uh, conservatives, uh, anti-Obama types. They're, they're conservative anti-Obama types that. And it was mainly because Alex Jones was the inside job guy because mm-hmm. saying Bush is a mass murderer, that doesn't rub well with them. So. so now you've kind of switched teams. How has that affected your relationships with those members of your family? They're okay with it, but I, I actually don't want to get in personal details, okay, no, but that's... it's much better now. Good, good. Yeah. Yeah, because people, I think, uh, worry a lot uh, about getting into discussions with family members because it's very, very touchy and, you know, family relationships are uh, difficult enough as it is. And if you introduce new areas of conflict, it can be difficult for people. Uh, you know, I, I myself have to uh, sometimes not exactly tiptoe, but you have to think about the, the other family members' feelings. Like some of my family is religious and uh, bringing up uh, the topic of religion because I'm an atheist. Uh, it makes it kind of difficult sometimes to have, conversation but if you just simply respect the other person and respect that they have a differing opinion people can usually get along it's not like there's going to be the the end of the world just because you have irreconcilable uh, opinions on one thing there's plenty of other things to talk about 
So what uh, what are your what are your plans for the future with uh, with the ex conspiracy theorist? Well, I'm trying to I'm trying to expand um, mainly by um, I, I recently started my Patreon page, um, trying to get money to expand social media wise. Whether that's making high quality videos regarding conspiracy theories, I already did part one of my review of William Cooper, William Cooper's book, and part two is going to be about William Cooper himself. Very interesting. Uh, yeah, William Cooper is an interesting chap because the, there's a guy on my forum who used to be a friend of William Cooper's who is now a kind of a hardcore debunker. So uh-huh. I think it's a lot of the times you get these people who were in a certain world and when they get out of it, they uh, they feel compelled to explain why that world was wrong. Why do you think you want to do what you're doing? What compels you? Because I've I've seen what it does to people. Like I didn't have the most horrific experience, Mm. but there are plenty of more sad stories of people who have gone down this path, how it's affected their family, friends, losing their job, um, being called out on the internet when they get, when it's seen that they're part of a a conspiracy movement that offends people, whether that's 9-11, accusing um, someone of running a sex trafficking ring. The Pizzagate thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the things you've got to get across to people is that it would be, it's fine to be very passionate about a, a topic, but if your topic is incorrect, then it's also fine for people to be passionate about debunking that topic. People like say, why don't you just let me believe what I want to believe? And uh, I think that's kind of a, a nonsensical thing to say when it comes to things that are fact-based, like what, what uh, I- 9-11. Well, what I would say to that, like you say, why can't you just let me believe what I want to believe? I would say because you vote and there are millions of like you that are there voting with this in mind. Yeah, people make decisions based upon their beliefs. And it's not just voting, it's uh, their life decisions. Uh, <clears throat> like the alternative medicine type people who believe that there's this huge conspiracy to cover up these cheap cures for cancer, they might end up not giving their children uh, the medicine they need. So there can be real harm from things that are essentially conspiracy theorists. When you uh, talk to people about conspiracy theorists, what, um, say someone came up to you and, and said, you know, I think 9-11 was an inside job because it's obvious that the buildings came down from controlled demolition because you can see these giant puffs of smoke. What would your approach be to just uh, start the conversation there? I would simply ask, can you name a single fireproof explosive that doesn't make sound? Hmm. In the case of the towers, it would be hundreds or thousands or whatever the math was you did on the towers. Yeah, well, I suppose they would say nanothermite and then uh, uh, nanothermite that's encased in some fireproof material like asbestos. <laughs> how, would you, uh, how would you move on from if someone just dropped something like that in your lap? I would just say, are you saying the plane, the plane didn't rub it off right. when it hit the towers? Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, the th- thing is, you, it's, you get this constantly shifting goalposts with conspiracy theorists. It's uh, a difficult thing to pin people down. I always try to try to make them focus on one point rather than uh, jumping from point to point. Have you been involved in like, online communities with other conspiracy theorists? Uh, like when you were a conspiracy theorist, did you, did you join uh, Facebook groups and things like that? Uh, honestly, I didn't uh, even know about Facebook mm. groups until I think it was 2013, right, which yeah. is well after that. But 
I was mainly sticking to YouTube and all the conspiracy channels that were out there and comments. So did you actually have interaction with other conspiracy theorists, though? Uh, I, di- I didn't attend rallies or anything because I, I thought that that would be a bridge too far for me mm. going out with me we're holding a sign that says 9-11 was an inside job that, that's something i thought may not be the best course of action so would you say you were basically just a consumer of conspiracy theorists you weren't yeah really, that, that, that's a better um, right, right you watched a lot of a lot of, a lot of conspiracy videos mm-hmm. did you 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 watched a lot of uh conspiracy videos did you have other information sources or were you limiting yourself to more conspiracy oriented things like alex jones and did you watch the the TV news, for example? Uh, I watched it, but just when Alex Jones said some stuff was happening, and like I turned on the news for myself and mm-hmm. um, would look at it every now and then. But looking at news, looking at mainstream news, that supposedly kind of helps you get away from your very narrow sources. But with me, it it just didn't help. Like I just looked at the news and went back to listening to Alex Jones. So what do you where do you get your news now if you want to follow what's going on in the world what do you do personally v- variety of sources of course I listen to mainstream media because that's pretty much what we have now but mm-hmm. also media analysts like media matters or pe- people who who work on freelance with journalism but um they're not really part of big media like the New York Times like if if the New York Times is getting something wrong there's nothing wrong with with calling them out on it right yeah, definitely. Yeah, we should uh, trust yet verify, I think, is the best way yes. of looking at it. We know that they're generally uh, correct. Do you look at the, any of the fact-checking sites like uh, factcheck.org or uh, oh, yeah, fact or Snopes? Yeah, factcheck.org. Um, that was one of the first, um, uh, well, not really conspiracy debunking, but generally like facts spewed out by politicians mm-hmm. that they check out. But yeah. PolitiFact, they're unbelievable. In what way? Uh, just of how how many claims they um, accumulate from specific figures, how right. they organize um, statements by political figures, and how much false claims Trump has made. Yes, <laughs> that's quite unbelievable in itself. All right. Well, thank you very much, John. Is there anything you'd like to add or like give a shout out for your website uh, before we go? Uh, yeah, sure. You could f- follow me on Facebook at the X Conspiracy Theorist or. Um, go to my YouTube channel, The Ex-Conspiracy Theorist, or if you want to help, donate to my Patreon, which is on my website. You could find it out at um, exconspiracy.blogspot.com. All right. Thank you very much, John, and uh, have a good day. You too, man. Appreciate it. This was the first episode of Tales from the Rabbit Hole. You can follow us on the web at tftrh.com or metabunk.org. You can find me on Twitter at Mick West. You can find me on YouTube at Mick West. You can find me on Facebook at Metabunk. And you can always subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This has been Mick West with Tales.